Hello and welcome to Decoding Duchenne with me, Claire Runacres, brought to you by the charity Duchenne UK. The charity hosts free parent and caregiver information days to help inform the community about the condition, the best practice for looking after people with Duchenne muscular dystrophy and details of research and clinical trials. At our latest event in Newcastle, Duchenne UK's Director of Research, Dr David Bull, gave this breakdown of how clinical trials work. Discovering and developing a new medicine. It's in lots of stages. Um, I'm going to start off by using an example of Parkinson's disease, simply because that's the one that I worked in when I was in, in research. And it's a relatively simple central target. So, first of all, you have to decide on the disease target. So if it's Parkinson's disease, you have to find out what, what is going wrong. And simplistically, in Parkinson's disease, uh, there's a little area in the brain which stops producing a chemical called dopamine. So it seems like a good idea that if we could replace that dopamine in the right place, it might be helpful. So the first stage is that basic research, understanding what's going wrong with the disease state and understanding some places in which you can get some leverage to try and make, make a difference. Because what you've then got to do, once you've got the idea, is you've got to come up with some chemicals that might help. You certainly can't give dopamine, because if you take a tablet of dopamine, you'll start vomiting straight away. And of course, the body is clever. It uses dopamine in different places to do different things. So what we need to do is to make something that acts like dopamine just in the place that you want it. And to do that, when, when I was, was working, there would be a team of chemists who would actually make each individual compound for us to test in our models. Now, when I left, and I left research in the mid-90s, it had got to the stage where we could produce 25,000 compounds in 24 hours and test them using um, high-throughput screening. And once you've got the, 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 the compounds that look like they might be interesting, that's when you go ahead and start to do the research. So you've got to make it. You then have to test it. And this is what you'll hear it called preclinical, which is before it gets in, 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 into, into man. Um, that will be a whole range of things. It will be testing in models. So you might hear about some of the animal models that we have uh, for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So they're tested. D does it do in these models what we want it to do? And then, of course, is it safe? So there's a whole range of tests that need to be done to check to see whether this compound is safe to give in, in, in the animal models because it then has to go into humans. I'm going to talk a lot about the clinical trials in a minute, but this is the big stage where we go into the clinical trials where we find out whether this drug is going to be safe to use and do what we, what we want it to do. If it comes out of there successfully, it has to be registered. And we've heard also about access and reimbursement. We've got to, you know, it's not just good enough to register it, we've got to be able to get it. Patients have to access to it and we have to get it reimbursed. We have to get the money back for it for, for the people who develop it. And then subsequently, it is sold. And whilst it's on the market, every medicine is monitored and the data is recorded. Now, this takes a long while. 10 to 15 years um, is not unusual from the beginning to the end. Uh, and the current estimate is actually around uh, a billion, around a thousand million. In fact, that figure was mentioned on Radio 4 um, earlier this week, if you heard the discussion around Avastin for, 
wet age-related macular degeneration. They talked about this, this total cost of around about uh, a million pounds, uh, a thousand million pounds to get a drug to the market. It's expensive and it's long, long term. So this is what I want to talk about now. Stages of the clinical trials. We've talked about preclinical. So out of that stage is going to come this compound. Usually a, 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 you know, a chemical compound is going to come out and it has to go and be tested in humans. And the first stage is phase one, very few people, maybe 10 or 12 people, often is only in the term of months. In phase two, we're building the numbers, uh, usually higher months, six to 12 months, maybe a couple of years. Phase three is the big one. That's the one where we really find out what this, this medicine is doing. And then it goes onto the market, and I mentioned this phase four, which is the ongoing, ongoing trials to make sure we have the data built up. So phase one trials, three main aims of a phase one trial, and it's all about safety. So remember, this is, the first, this is a compound that's only been tested uh, in vitro, so you know, the, the Petri dish, the glass vials, and, and in animals. It has to go into phase one trials. Um, I worked for GlaxoSmithKline, well, it was Glaxo at the time. I think I took part in about eight of these phase one trials. Six of them went fine. Um, one of them had a side effect that had not been seen before, which was, I can assure you, unpleasant, but really not that, that worrying. One of them um, was, her was horrendous, and the drug was stopped immediately. Uh, and I, knew, I thought I was going to take, I was going to get the placebo, you know, the, the, you know, the sugar pill. Um, so I wasn't expecting it. And uh, in fact, it was a, uh, like having an elephant sitting on the chest. It was the most frightening thing. That drug stopped immediately. It was never gone any further. And yet, Glaxo must have spent at that time in the region of 10 million on, on developing it. So it's about safety. How's it done? usually single doses, in healthy human volunteers. Uh, and we're looking for the safety, the tolerance, you know, can you take it, any side effects that can be monitored. We look to see if the drug is getting to where it's needed. So if we can, we'll, we'll do um, blood, usually blood, urine, feces, sometimes a skin scrape, depending on what you're trying to do. Range of effects that could be monitored, heart, heart rate, um, blood pressure, breathing rate, that sort of thing. And only if it's feasible, do we look for efficacy? In other words, is it doing what we, what we want it to do? Because as I say, the main point is really just to test for safety. So, excuse me. We say with current therapies, like gene therapy, it wouldn't go into phase one. I mean, an oncology trial, for example, a new treatment for, um, for cancer, wouldn't go into phase one. Those, those drugs, by their very nature, are uh, more difficult to administer, they have more side effects. So we'd, we'd usually skip those and go straight into phase two trials where safety evaluation is still the main aim. So these are small numbers, can be as low as 10, but it's, it's usually in the 30, 40, 50 mark. But now we are looking for efficacy. Now, we may be lucky enough to be able to test for the efficacy in terms of what we want the drug to do. So. If we were doing um, an antihypertensive to bring the blood pressure down, well, we can see whether it's doing that because we can measure blood pressure. But some trials, it's more difficult. So, um, you, you know, you may have seen, there's just a research paper come out where um, we're looking at um, a compound called vermorolone, which might be um, a good alternative to, to corticosteroids uh, for DMD. Now, that's just gone into a phase two trial. And it's using its efficacy 
is being looked at in terms of biomarkers, these indications that it might be working. So it's not actually finding out whether long-term it slows down the, the rate at which muscles weaken, but we are getting the indication, it's, is it doing the right thing from the biochemical markers that we can pick up in blood samples and urine and so on. We're getting more, in, more information about the side effect, side effect profile, um, and we often now start to look at dose response curve. So I mentioned in phase one, we usually start usually with a single dose in a phase one trial. And that dose comes, or that, what that dose is, one mg, two mg, three, comes from the animal studies. We take a guess that if it does that in the animal studies, this sort of dose might be okay in humans. But we don't know. And so at this stage, we start to put some different doses in to look at the Im impact. Because it may be that if we do four doses, the top two are exactly the same. And so we can actually drop it down. The less we can give, the biggest effect, the, the better. Phase three trials, um, and this is, these are the ones that take a long time because we're boosting the patient numbers, um, preferably into the, into the hundreds. This is about, it's effective and safe to use, all the data is gathered there. <coughs> Talked about here about demonstrating therapeutic advantage. So if there is a drug already on the market, and you're trying to get one that's better, you would normally have the, the old drug in the trial. You've got to show that it is better than what's out there, either in terms of its efficacy, it's more effective, or it has a better safety profile. If your drug is new, you can't do that. Um, so a lot of the trials now uh, that we're starting with, with for, for, for the genetic therapies in, in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, there are no drugs out there. So we're looking for much smaller, um, much smaller effects. And indeed, one of the um, projects we, we, we'd like to fund, if we can, is looking at much better patient-reported outcomes, these, these questionnaires which can find out in much greater clarity whether a drug is having an effect. And we need as much of that as possible, because as soon as we have the drugs on the market that are working, then we can test them against, that, that will be tested about any new ones that come later. And we will establish the profile. So what is it that the indications, what is it there for, which are the indications, how much do we give, uh, what the side effects are, and contraindications. So you may have heard re recently there was um, a case where uh, a, a doctor had been um, effectively struck off for making a mistake in prov um, providing a drug called enalapril to uh, a boy who should not have received it. And the, the contraindication there was the fact that in, th in that instance, in Alapril, should not be given in that disease state. So we need to know whether there are, whether there are certain indications where you don't, you don't use the drug. We build all that data up in order that we can then uh, start to register. However, the phase four trials, I mentioned these, um, whilst the drug's on the market, uh, we will continue to monitor it, we get the data, and we may look for information on whether it can be used in other groups. In this case, if for Duchenne, then it might be looking at different age ranges. And you won't, that, that data is always captured and uh, will, will be fed back in to the prescribing indications necessary. So that's a really fast trip through um, clinical trials. Let me briefly then, to, to finish up, just spend seven or eight minutes, some language around genetics because you're going to hear a lot about that. So in virtually every cell of your body, 
there is a nucleus which contains your DNA. Your DNA is folded up into these things called chromosomes. You, you've all heard of those. DNA, spinning around in the middle, probably the most amazing molecule in the universe. I always say that, but it, but, it, but it must be. If you took the DNA from one of your cells, unraveled it and put it end to end, it would be about my height. It's just short of two meters worth of DNA. And it's like a ladder. Imagine a ladder just twisted. Even better still, if you took all of that DNA from every cell in your body and put it end to end, it would actually span the solar system twice. The DNA with all of this information is packed into each of your cells. Now imagine this ladder, so un just an ordinary ladder, you've un untwisted it. The sidebars, they're, they're structural, essentially the bits in red, they're structural, they hold the thing in place. The real magic is in the rungs that span across. And each rung is made up of two molecules, but only four molecules in total, and these two can only pair in one way. What it means is that if you split down the middle, you have a ladder split in half, and you have a template on which you can build another DNA. It's a way of providing information. It's the way the body stores the information. So what do these genes do? Because the order in which those rungs are written are genes. So you take DNA, you split it in half, and there's, 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 there's mechanisms in your cell which read it. It's, just, it's like reading a computer code. And as a result of that, we start to build up these amino acids. You've heard of amino acids. They're, they're little molecules, and they join together to make this huge long train. And the order in which they're made, they will fold into a thing we call a protein. And that's what genes do. Genes make proteins, or they're the instructions for making proteins. That's the only thing they do. It's the proteins that can go away and do the job of building, building your body. Uh, and as you probably know, in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, it is the dystrophin gene which has gone wrong. The dystrophin gene is the longest gene in your body. Again, think of that ladder. A dystrophin gene requires two and a half million rungs of information. So uh, your, 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 your cell machinery has to read two and a half million sequences in order to make the dystrophin gene correctly. And of course it can go wrong in different places, which can result in either no dystrophin or very, very small dystrophin that doesn't function. Very quickly on gene therapy. This is as simple as it gets, because you're gonna hear about the detail later. Wouldn't it be great if you had a cell with a non-functioning gene? If we could put a functioning gene inside it, then that cell should pick it up and start to make whatever that gene we put in. And simplistically, that is gene therapy. Taking a gene, taking a cell which doesn't have a gene, giving it the information it needs so that it can function normally. The tricky bit is how we do that. So we have to find a way of getting DNA. And again, you can't take a tablet of DNA. Your, your gut will, will just, just break it down. It wouldn't get to the right place anyway. So we have to find a way of of getting a gene. Now, one way you'll hear talked about is viral vectors. Think of a virus, um, like German measles. Um, <laughs> viruses are designed to get into your body, get into your cell, and fill it full of its own DNA, so that your cell is forced to make the proteins that the, 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 the virus has just told it to do. And that's a neat trick. So if we could take a virus, scoop out the inside, the stuff we don't want, and fill it full of information 
that tells the cell how to make, for example, dystrophin. And if we could give that virus so that the virus went into the body and went into the muscle, push the DNA in there, that would be great. And that's the essence. I've, I've made it, it's very simple. It is, it is fraught with difficulties. But the concept is relatively simple. Take a virus, put the DNA that you want, administer it, it will have little molecules that guide it to the muscle and it will deliver either a new copy or something that helps the cell to make some form of, uh, of, of dystrophin. That's Dr David Bull, Duchenne UK's Director of Research, speaking in Newcastle at a Patient Information Day. And there's more information about those events and on clinical trials on the website www.duchenneuk.org. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, recommend it to your friends and join us next time.